information to help you run your business better and improve your marketing campaigns. My name is Hank Hoffmeyer, and thank you for joining me on Hank's Marketing and Business Tips. Welcome to episode 287 of the HMBT podcast. Today, we're going to talk about ABM. What do those three letters mean? I'm joined by Mike Menard. He is the CEO of Napier, a PR and marketing agency that helps tech companies sell more to other businesses. That's a really simple statement of what Mike does. And we'll get into the weeds today about ABM. I'm going to let him explain that and how you can efficiently market your business, whether you're getting started or maybe you've been in business for a while. Mike, thanks for joining me today. I think we're going to have a blast talking about this term that I've heard, uh, I know about, but some people might not, or maybe they want to learn how to do it more in 2024. That's awesome. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Hank. So let's start off and talk about a little bit about what you do, and then just dive right in and talk about the three letters, ABM, explain that, what it is, and why we want to talk about it today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're a marketing agency, um, and we help you know companies that sell business-to-business -business technology products um, grow their business, so find new customers, find opportunities. Um, and that can be a whole range of companies. So our biggest uh, client is over 300,000 people worldwide. Our smallest client was three people worldwide. So we work with a huge range of uh, clients, but it's all about selling something technical to people who are technical themselves and making a decision based on technical factors. Okay, let's dive in. What is ABM? So great question and a, quite an interesting question. So ABM is account-based marketing. Um, the problem is, is lots of people argue over what does that actually mean? Um, and I think a lot of people, they, they want to try and create something that's a little overcomplicated um, or a little pretentious sometimes. And actually, what account-based marketing really means is working out who's most likely to buy your product and then focusing your marketing activities and therefore your marketing budget on the people who are most likely to be customers. It's that simple. So really what it might be when I first heard that term, you know, as a marketer, I thought it was finding out everybody in the company, spamming all of them and getting somebody to get interest so they can introduce you to the decision maker. So I'm wrong, right? Well, do you know, some ABM campaigns look a little bit like that, but they tend not to be the most effective campaigns. Awesome. So when it comes to account-based marketing, I guess you're talking about, I have a, a widget or I have a service that I want to sell into an organization. Uh, what I want to do is identify key stakeholders. Um, let's say it is um, a software product. Uh, I might want to talk to the support team, maybe if it's like a support chat type of platform. So theoretically, the support manager, director of support or something like that. What would be the process slash strategy around that? And if you want to use that example, it's fine. Or if we can stay broad, that's fine as well. Because I think this is something people need to learn about and possibly try in 2024 if they're not doing it. Yeah, so I think, you know, one of the first things to do is work out where you're selling your support product. Because obviously support software can be sold to a, you know, incredibly wide range of companies. But the reality is, is that most support products are really suited to a particular industry. So, um, you know, let's say, and um, I, I'm going to take something I quite like, let's say that you're ideally suited to people who sell chocolate. Um, it doesn't really matter what it is, uh, but you're ideally suited to deal with support questions from people who sell chocolate. 
Um, so you've got a couple of things to do. You mentioned that you've got some idea of who the customer is within that company, but maybe the first thing to do is work out how you're going to reach like the biggest suppliers of chocolate in the world. Um, so you've got to look at that market and you've got to decide how you're going to approach it. And there's a couple of ways. So some people say that account-based marketing includes marketing to specific industries. So um, you know, classically, you know, in the back good old days where you had um, printed magazines, you'd want to get your products in chocolate manufacturer weekly. Everyone would see it. That's amazing. Um, and clearly you're hitting a target market. That's going to work. In reality, I mean, that's a very superficial way to look at account-based marketing um, because you could be looking at chocolate manufacturers that are absolutely huge. So, you know, giant conglomerates like Kraft, um, or you could be looking at, you know, Mike's chocolates where he makes them at home on a Saturday and sells them in the market. So it's a very vast range. And frankly, Mike's chocolate's not going to be able to afford your product. Probably Kraft is too big for your product. You know, you may be sitting in the middle. So what you actually want to do is understand that market. And I think that's possibly the most important thing. Most people do understand the markets they sell to. Um, and so you've got to go and look at it and say, well, of all the companies in you know this market, who are most likely to buy from me? And you could do that either by being very specific um, and saying, you know, it's company A, company B, company C. Um, or you could be a bit more general and say, well, it's actually companies in that market that are a certain size um, or maybe have a certain profile. You know, perhaps they're international or perhaps they're just um, regional. And you start building a profile of exactly the companies you want to send to. Um, because account-based marketing is not just understanding the people in that company. It's also understanding the companies themselves. So here is a great question related to AI and how AI is starting to develop and become very useful for a lot of different industries, especially marketing. Would AI like ChatGPT, for example, be a good tool to help me identify that market or is it not robust enough to get that in the weeds? In other words, I can say, tell me a little bit more about companies that manufacture chocolate. What, you know, what kind of periodicals do you read? What websites would people that work there go to? You can like ask it those questions, but is it good enough to help you with ABM or identifying your target market? So absolutely, we've used it. I, I mean, very, very simply, it's something we can absolutely use. AI can do all sorts of things. Um, so there's certainly things you can do through databases. Um, and look at a database and find out how big a company is, and maybe you just want to look at, you know, number of employees. Go to LinkedIn. You find out how big a company is in terms of number of employees. That's going to position it somewhere in the market. Um, and AI is not always quite so good at those purely factual data queries. Um, but AI is quite good at writing descriptions of companies. Um, and so that could be really useful, for example, when you've got a list, just get a description, see if those companies really do fit. Um, see if you picked a company that, you know, really is in the industry you think it is, or maybe it's some a company where 90% of their business is elsewhere. And, you know, the industry you care about is a side business, it's not really going to fit, maybe. Um, so I think AI is useful at, at, you know, really enriching the data you've got about those companies. Because understanding the companies is super important and the more you know the better your account-based marketing campaign is going to be they always say get to know your audience because you have to market to them and not what you think they want and that's where ai tools and just your general research can help all right so i'm looking to break into you know providing my software to a certain type of chocolate manufacturers and i got my list nailed <laughs> down to say five or ten companies what's next what do i do next um, so you, you've got a list, you've got, got a list of 10 companies. So you've then got to understand 
how they buy. Um, and you mentioned, oh, you know, it's it's you know perhaps the support manager that you want to talk to. It's probably not just a support manager. It depends what you're trying to sell. But typically, a support manager might not have a huge budget, um, so they might have to go somewhere else for the money. Um, quite often, the support manager is tied into some other things that that are going on. So, um, you know, maybe less so for chocolate manufacturers, but perhaps there's a lot of issues around returns, and you've got a separate return system. Um, and so, whoever's running the return system and the warehousing for products that comes back really cares about your support system because if it doesn't interface, there's a huge problem. Um, so, what you need to do is understand who's in that and, and what. We call in the UK the decision-making unit, and Americans tend to call the buying committee. Build up that model of the buying committee. Who does what? Who cares about what? Um, and then you can start creating um, campaigns um, and content that appeals to each of those people. And you could be really specific because, as you said, you've got five to ten companies you really care about. So you can actually customize the content for those companies. And, um, you know, I think everybody knows the better you can personalize content in marketing, you know, as a general rule, the better results you're going to get. So what ABM is letting you do is it's letting you not spend all your time and money, you know, reaching companies that aren't relevant, but spend all that effort on companies you care about and therefore do a better job, a more accurate and more focused job. I'd like to get into the weeds a little bit because, you know, I'm a target of ABM myself being with two different brands that I work with. And some of them are just doing a shot in the dark and other ones actually get me to be a little bit inquisitive. In other words, if I already have a product or a solution and somebody's reaching out to me with theirs and they're not really, what do you want to call that? Easing my pain, et cetera. And the tool I'm using is pretty good. They're not going to get anywhere. Plus I might not be the person that approves that budget. I have to go say, Hey, I want to use this other tool that I think is okay. And it's a lot more money. There's a lot of things that happen, a lot of processes, but if it's a smaller organization, three to five people, you know, people packing the chocolate and then I'm the owner operator, but I also do support and you were selling that software. I'm, I'm more apt to just make that decision and say, okay, because I control a lot of the decisions. But I think a lot of times when you're selling into larger organizations, there's, it's so much more complex. And I guess the question I want to ask is, are there any tips? I, I've seen some good attempts uh, of getting back to me where people actually are doing the research for the company I'm working in, who our audience is, you know, how their solution is going to fit in and solve that problem, where it makes me want to be, I, I use the term cheer, a cheerleader, to possibly either get a call with them and then go up the chain to get that approval. Because if they reached, reached out to, say, our CFO, the CFO is not even going to know what tool we use. He's not going to know how it's going to help us be better or help us save money. He doesn't care. He's not going to approve it. How can we get more and more people that are actually like, say, the users, but may or may not be the decision maker to be cheerleaders for what we're trying to provide, not sell, what we're trying to provide as a solution? That's an awesome question. I, I, I love that because I think where you have these larger more complex companies you tend to have bigger sales you know the smaller owner operated businesses you know typically it's your business you want to know if you spend money you get that money back really quickly so the bigger the the products uh, in terms of the price tag um the less likely a small business is to buy it or the harder it is to sell because you've got to convince that that owner that they're going to get uh return on their investment and generally their, their horizons are quite small larger companies have a very different approach to investment um and so it really is about understanding how things work and there are, are, are two tools that i'm sure you know 
the listeners will be familiar with. Um, one is building a persona. Um, and the other is building a uh, customer journey. So we build personas around the people who not only might be the cheerleaders or might be the people who approve, but also the other influencers as well. And what it matters, what, why the persona matters is not, you know, talking about, you know, the, this guy's Mike and he's 50 and, you know, he likes to play cricket. Um, it's what drives these people in their business. So fundamentally, what do they hate? What are the challenges, the pain points they've got to overcome? And what can make them look good? What will get them promoted? Um, and we love that conversation with clients. So we say, you know, you're trying to get this support manager to buy this product. What can you do to get him promoted? And you think about that, and then suddenly you can start getting cheerleads because this guy not only knows that, you know, you've explained the product in a way that talks about benefits to him as a support manager, but you've also highlighted how it's going to make him look good personally or her, um, if it's a, a female support manager. Um, and I think it's it's about trying to really understand how to get under the skin in a business context that really matters. And then you use the buying journey to understand how these different people interact. Um, and so is it the case that the sport manager, you know, maybe she goes to the, to the CFO um, and then the CFO then says yes or no? Um, or maybe the CFO issues a budget and then the support manager, she has a decision of, you know, how much money she can spend. So I think there's, you know, that th there's different ways that different buying committees work um, and really building an understanding is important. And, you know, at the extreme of ABM, we have clients who literally build models for each of their target customers. Um, so they try and understand the individuals and how those individuals think and how they interact and who you need to influence. Um, and you can go to that extreme. In general, the more focused you are on an account, the more time you spend on an account, the higher the value of the sale needs to be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you want to get an ROI and the time you're putting in as well. And, and while you were talking, you had a lot of things that resonated with me. When I used to manage accounts for email marketing, a lot of times I would talk to the marketing manager and they were hesitant to implement a lot of the strategies I would give them. And, and my spiel was, hey, if we increase your ROI, I mean, your open rate, then your click rate, and then your conversion rate, basically more sales, makes it look good to your management team. And hopefully you can get a raise and make more money. And maybe I won't be working with you. I'll be working with your assistant down the road and they will lap, right? But it's true. It, it's people need to be successful uh, and they want to succeed and grow in the more in, in the workplace. Then the other one you talked about is, you know, those personas and then providing the right type of content. If I was working with, say, a support manager, I know that maybe they have to get approval from, say, a director, VP or CFO. I, I know conference organizers do a good job of providing people like, hey, you should come to this conference. Here's the value you get. And here's how you could spend it to your manager of the value and the ROI you're going to get by coming. Just share this with them. Maybe providing that type of uh, information that came to mind when you were talking is that the conference organizers do that all the time. I guess in a way they're doing ABM in a way. Yeah. And I mean, great conference organizers um, do do really good ABM to attract, you know, those key speakers and then the key visitors that are then going to drag other people in. Um, I think, you know, it is it is really important to think about how you get people to to work within the business. So, you know, your um, support manager, as an example, um, you know, she might have to go to the CFO and present the financial case. The support manager really he cares about, you know, the process, you know, maybe how the tickets work, how you track, how you raise issues, you know, um, how, how you, um, 
uh, deal with problems that aren't resolved, all of that sort of stuff, the details. CFO doesn't care about that, really doesn't care about that. They want to know how much I'm going to spend and what it's going to make, the difference it's going to make to my profitability. You might still want to arm that support manager with a presentation that they can take to the CFO and present the financial benefits, even though it's not they care about. You've got to think about how you or what content you need to get in front of each persona and then how you get it in front of that those people and so sometimes it can be really straightforward you know linkedin is is probably the favorite platform for abm uh, because it's so easy to identify companies and people in particular roles um, so it's very easy to run campaigns it's and and you know it's relatively cheap it's, it's a great way to to kick off abm but that's a very simplistic way to look at it um, and actually what you should be doing is thinking, well, sometimes it's someone presenting to someone else internally. So let's arm them with a presentation that they can then give and look authoritative. Exactly. And folks, when you're using LinkedIn and you're sending out connection requests, put a little effort into it. There's just, just so many reach outs I get that are blind invites or they're just typical sales reach outs. Provide me some value information. And, and also it might not be the right time to reach out to me, but you never know. There might be a right time and a right place. And if you connect with me in the right way, I might remember you and who you are and then reach out to you when I have a need. I think that uh, even though LinkedIn has been around for so long, a lot of salespeople use it very ineffectively. What do you think about that? Oh, you're so right, Hank. I, I, I think that's absolutely true. I, you know, so here's here's a message from Microsoft. If they want to improve LinkedIn and get more people more active on it, um, I would basically bill a, a two dollars for anyone who says I'd like to connect with you because I want to expand my network, and then half the money goes to Microsoft, half the money goes to the recipient. I tell you, you know, I, I'd be making a fortune that way because there's so many people. It's like I want to expand my network. Why? Why, why me? You know, yeah, why there's me? nearly a billion people on LinkedIn and you pick me. Makes no sense. Tell me why it's important. You know, I want to sell this to you. I want to work with you. I think I can help you. You know, really pick something specific. And obviously, if you can pick something that is, you know, going to spike the the self-interest of the person you're, you're trying to breach. So how are you going to help them rather than just, I want to sell. But honestly, you know, I think you need this. I want to sell it to you is way better than I'd like to expand my network. Right. Or even, you know, just being honest up front and talk about what you're trying to do. You are trying to sell a product or service. And if I'm interested, I'll respond back. If not, maybe I won't. Or I might even provide a kind note in return and just say, thank you for reaching out. I'm not the right person or et cetera, et cetera, yes. uh, which is good. And I have this weird rule where I don't accept blind invites, but I do reply to all of them. Uh, and I, I ask, hey, if I've met you in the past, I might have amnesia. Remind me just why we can connect. But I just, I don't connect with people that send blind invites. I'd be happy to have a get to know you call if you're open to it. Just let me know why you're looking to connect. And sadly, I got to look at the stat again, but I, I roughly would only get like about a 40% response to that. Or sometimes it would even be, thank you for accepting my request, even though I didn't. And then their sales pitch. You know, a lot of times it is people, uh, oh, I'm just getting started in marketing and I see your content and I want to learn from you and, uh, uh, you know, view your content more and just connect with you. And I'll hop on a call with them, get to know them. Sometimes it will be a salesperson. Um, sometimes because of that conversation and how we went back and forth, I hop on a call, get to know them because maybe I don't need them, but maybe I might know somebody I can refer to them down the road and they were really, really good in how they presented themselves. And I want to return that favor. Maybe they'll know somebody that needs to use email marketing and they'll, they'll recommend me. Uh, it all comes down to relationships. And I think that's what ABM is all about is developing relationships. So you can 
possibly fulfill a need, uh, develop a relationship, and then maybe provide that solution down the road. First things first is getting to know that person after you develop the persona, which is a perceived knowledge of who you're talking to, get the actual knowledge, right? Then turn that into, does my solution provide answers for them? Does it provide uh, uh, ROI, et cetera, value? Then you move on from there. So I think ABM is something people should be looking into. And honestly, like I said, I, what I initially thought it was, and then what I learned it was, is still different from what you're telling me what it is. Uh, it is a little bit more effective. And I think you did a great job of breaking down what it is and how to do it. Is there anything I'm missing or didn't ask you about ABM that we should discuss? I think people should think about ABM, you know, slightly differently. Don't worry about technical definitions. ABM is basically doing great marketing, which means you understand the customer and what they need to a focused audience. And if you can do that, chances are you're 90% there to a great ABM campaign. Um, you know, I think just think about really developing compelling marketing because you understand the audience um, and then focus it on the people who are going to really move the needle for your business. And, and if you think about it that way, it, it's just obvious. So I, I think I just made a correlation. You can let me know if it's correct. Same thing with looking for employment. In other words, I want to become a uh, assistant product manager for a well-known brand. I need to first identify my target market. And that could be like Lenovo, uh, Dell, uh, and, and other companies like uh, IBM, right? Those types of organizations. Then I can say, who are my stakeholders? Um, probably can reach out to the product managers because I'd be working under them. And or if there's another type of hiring manager or maybe a recruiter at the organization, those would people be on the list for those organizations. Then I would build out the personas for those, what matters to them, what type of content, what can I send them along with my cover letter and resume that would resonate with them to get an interview? Is that kind of similar to what ABM might be like? Yeah, I think great campaigns to get jobs are great ABM campaigns because people can, you know, write compelling applications. Um, and I can tell you, you know, you could see these, whether it's an automated LinkedIn invite or whether it's a bulk job application that's gone to a hundred agencies. I know they're generic and I'll read the job applications, but believe me, I, I won't spend a lot of time on it. It'll be a very quick skim and you've got to have a CV that jumps out to get that. But somebody who sends me their, their CV, their resume, and they explain exactly why they want to work for Napier doesn't matter whether they get it right or wrong i mean sometimes they can get it completely wrong um i'm going to read that and i'm going to say you know this person's put some effort in i i kind of owe them something in return and yes i may go back and say come for an interview i have gone back and gone look you know you're applying to the wrong place this is why you're not getting a job with us you know if i can give you advice do this and i've spent you know literally um hours you know going backwards and forwards with people explaining how they can apply to something that's more suitable to their experience so people will help you even if you don't get a yes and i think that's true you know even in abm if you do great abm you'll build a conversation rather than just um throwing uh marketing materials at a, at a, a customer or a potential customer um and that will you know not only educate you and make you a better marketer um but it will also potentially give you new referrals new leads 
reminds me of years and years ago in my younger age, when I was looking for a job, I went out with specific cover letters and my resume and I would go to different organizations and depending on the organization, sometimes if I didn't know a lot, I'd be a little generic, but I'd bring a box of donuts and my cover letter and resume and leave it for the hiring manager or a journal, you know, like a handwritten journal and hand it off and just a little something that made them pay attention to my paperwork coming across their desk. I know things are getting harder and harder with people having a lack of physical office addresses, right? Uh, it's hard to send them something in the mail, like a gift or something, but you can always do virtual gifts. Uh, a lot of times uh, I've heard this phrase too, like if I wanted to learn ABM from you because I want to implement it in my organization, but that's something you sell, I shouldn't say, can I buy you a coffee, right? What's a coffee? Three bucks. How much is your hourly rate? Let's just make it up $300, right? There's a discrepancy there. What I should say is, hey, Mike, can I buy an hour of your time to talk to you about ABM and how I can uh, implement it in my organization? I'm not ready to work with you, but I understand you're a whiz at this and I'd love to learn from you. I think you'll get more from that. In other words, don't offer to buy somebody lunch to show them your platform. Do something more. Offer them something that's going to be a value for that hour, right? Uh, it could be a gift of their choice from you know a gift provider or something that's worth more than a coffee or just a lunch. Uh, I think those are some good ideas and you probably out sell your competition because nobody's doing that yeah and i think also you know don't forget that you can also offer things in return um so you know if you're a young person looking for their first job maybe you know a lot about more about social media than perhaps some of the people you're uh, you're applying to um so you know think about what you can offer in return because I, I think often sometimes a, a kind of purchase feels a bit icky um, in this situation, but bartering and saying, you know, I'd love to do this. And honestly, I will come and do this to help you out. Um, if you think it's useful, it, it's always worth a go. Um, and it shows that you've got commitment because you're not just handing over money, you're, you're actually putting effort and time into it. So where people do that, I think it's it, it, it's really helpful to, to think about bartering, you know, what you know versus what the person uh, that you're talking to knows. So let's flip it to the chocolate scenario. I'm trying to sell my support software into a, a company that makes chocolate. I want to get a demo with them, but they're kind of hesitant. What would be something that might entice them to have that demo? Well, this is where I regret picking chocolate because I know absolutely nothing about the chocolate industry. Um, so uh, so it's, it's always an issue. But if you look at what happens in chocolate, fundamentally, I suspect that the biggest issue is, is when chocolate sort of goes off, it gets that kind of white little growth on it and stuff. So, you know, I mean, there, there's ways you can do it. So if you want to really grab the attention of people, you know, perhaps you want to, you know, perhaps leave some chocolate out for a little while, um, let it go a bit icky and, uh, you know, or melt it down or something um, and just send them something and say, you know, you don't want this, you want this. So maybe a lump of chocolate that's melted, um, you don't want this, but hey, I've created this incredible, you know, molded chocolate um uh you know figurine or something and so you want to get this and this is how we'll help you we'll help you move from here to here um and i think it's something that relates to what they do but isn't directly day-to-day -day, um what they do and, and there's ways to do that i mean there are people who will make you you know chocolate figurines you don't have to do it yourself right maybe what you could do is buy you know one of their chocolate bars or something and then send them an email or a video really just say look i bought one of your chocolate bars there's 
three reasons why I feel people might reach out to your support team. Uh, and I want to know if I'm right. Hey, can I just yep. book 15 minutes with you to, to ask you those questions? You let me know if I'm right or not. And I'd love to hear what other questions you're getting and, and then go from there. That that might be a good way to get in the door. Um, uh, and it's funny is like, I'm always good at telling other people what to do in sales, but I, I'm always bad at my, doing it myself. I verbally vomit on people like, this is great. And this is our product, but yeah. I can tell other people how to sell. <laughs> Yeah, and maybe if you're targeting the chocolate industry, you've been really successful with with um, a, a related industry, you know, so quite often people have multiple industries, send something that's related, you know, so um, if you've been really successful in the stat market, um, and you've got a, a prestigious customer that, you know, actually makes people sit up and take notice, you know, send some their products and say, you know, we, we've made it easier um, for this, this customer to deal with complaints, and you, you could remove all that problem. Um, and I, I always believe that trying to get your customers to talk for you rather than yeah. you doing the talking works well. So that, that's always a good tip. Don't be afraid to use customer testimonials in ABM. They work really well and they can be much more focused. So many ideas are coming out of this show because maybe you have a really good relationship with a very happy customer that every time you ask them for a case study or a testimonial, they're, they're chomping at the bit to do it. Maybe what you could say is, hey, I have a related industry. It's not a competitor. It's in chocolate, right? I, I know you sell cereal, yep. but this is chocolate. Maybe they could put chocolate in their cereal. But what, John, what I want you to do is can you do a quick recording for me? Um, you know, I'll compensate you by giving you X, you know, platform for 30 days, this feature. Can you mm -hmm. just uh, personalize it to Joe over here and tell him why we're so great and then send that to him? That would probably be awesome. I yeah, know it's hard to think, do, you know, but yeah, and don't be afraid to to give credits as well. I mean, we had one client who had an amazing business, and and fundamentally, if anyone designed electronic products with their software, they gave them the software for free, because what they did was it was the best software for describing how to manufacture the product, and almost all of these products were manufactured by another company, and those guys paid. Um, and obviously for the, the manufacturers, it was an insignificant percentage of the revenue they're getting for the manufacturing. Um, but also for the designers, it was free software and it was it was the best software. Um, and it was a great business model. It was like the weirdest kind of freemium where you had, you know, one company pay, one type of company paying and one type of company having it for free. But I, I always think, you know, don't be afraid to offer things. You've always got something to offer. Yes, always. There's always ideas to offer and reward and inform. So this has been a great conversation about account-based marketing, ABM. Like it was a pleasure having you on the show. What I want to do is give folks an opportunity to learn more about you, your company, maybe how to connect with you. What are the best ways to do that? Um, so you can go to LinkedIn, search for Mike Maynard and Napier, um, and you'll find me there. You can go to our website, which is napierb2b.com. That's N-A-P-I-E-R. B, the number two, the letter B again, dot com. Um, or you can email me and just email me, Mike at napierb2b.com. I love talking to people. Awesome. I'll have those links in the show notes, folks. I, I would like to mention a supporter of the show, Kickbox, who I work for. Uh, if you're using email marketing and you have more than one email address that you collect on a given basis, whether it's weekly, monthly, or annually, or you have millions, it's always a good idea to make sure that email address is valid. That's what Kickbox does. It verifies email addresses, whether you want to upload a file, check them one by one, or if you're a larger organization and you collect thousands per day, you can do that in real time with their API. 
go to kickbox.com to check them out and sign up. Uh, you get a hundred free credits just to try them out or reach out to me. Maybe I can see what I can do about giving you a special deal, but Mike, it was so great. I understand you're across the pond from me. It's um, nine o'clock Eastern time in the morning. So it's probably uh, almost the end of your day over there, probably early afternoon. So hopefully you'll have a great rest of your Friday, which is when we're recording this. Appreciate all the information you provided my audience. And till next time, folks, try something new, maybe ABM.